Hello, and welcome to another edition of Critical Q&A, the show where I answer your questions based on what you've left for me in the comments section of my Q&A videos or have sent to me by email at askchrisshelton at gmail.com. Okay, boy, so much to talk about <laughs> this week. I think I'm going to keep this look for a little while. I think I kind of like it. Um, man, okay, so we are doing a 30-day internet, no internet, challenge here at the Shelton household. So if you're not seeing me responding to comments on YouTube, you're not seeing me on social media, you're not seeing me on Twitter or much of anywhere on any of that, that's why. I have been, of course, addressing all of my emails and I am keeping up with my video work and uploading videos, obviously. But I'm trying to stay, uh, where we're totally, Melissa and I both are staying totally off social media. And we'll be doing a podcast at the end of this four weeks and sort of breaking all down what we've gone through and how this experience has gone. And this is only the first week we're doing it. And it's been quite a roller coaster ride, let me tell you. Um, so anyway, lots to come on that. If you didn't see my podcast posted yesterday with uh, Katrina Reyes, please check it out. We go over the topic of human trafficking in Scientology. I think in a way it's rarely been gone over as thoroughly and as certainly not on this channel as much. And, um, and I was very happy with that interview. So, um, so you can check out that podcast. And finally, I'm just going to put a quick plug in for Patreon right now. If you are finding that this channel is uh, educational, entertaining, and informative, please consider supporting me through Patreon because that is how I keep all of this little operation going and keep doing the research and writing and uh, necessary work so that I can get this done for you. All right, guys, let's go ahead and get on with your questions now. Michaela Reedmiller. In talking about Scientology, there's a lot about sexual child abuse and about covering up pedophiles, but nothing about underage auditors having to interrogate grown men about their sexuality. These 14 or 15-year-old teenagers being forced to ask old people about their masturbation practices, etc.? For me, this is another really ugly face of the church. Yet so far, it was never covered. I read a lot of posts from Sergei and others, and this is an outrageous matter. Since I was never in, I'm of course unsure if this is a matter that could be put out into the public, but I sure think that this is an abuse people should know about. Have you ever thought about doing a podcast about this? Thanks for the question, Michaela. Um, I have not done a podcast about this or really thought about it much. Um, I, I'm not trying to downplay the importance of uh, or the inappropriateness of this activity in Scientology because it is highly inappropriate and I don't think it's okay. But at the same time, um, you know, we're, we're, in order to become an auditor in Scientology, you have to go through a lot of courses and training. Um, I mean a lot. And in order, before you're doing security checking, which is the kind of auditing where you're going to be asking sharp and pointed questions about sinful behavior, you are going to, um, well, you're going to be pretty prepared for it. Now, again, I'm not endorsing this, but I'm not endorsing any of Scientology. And I think the real abuse here on this is really the indoctrination of these children in the first place on the methods and techniques and theories of L. Ron Hubbard because they're all, in a word, horseshit. And they set these kids up as little auditors to go on in life and think that they know something about how the brain works or the mind works or how people operate, and they don't. They have incredibly wrong information. Um, 
you know, you can believe anything you want about a spiritual existence, but L. Ron Hubbard goes out of his way over and over again to invalidate science, biology, um, archaeology, sociology, is certainly psychology and psychiatry, who have made, all of these fields have made tremendous, tremendous leaps forward since the 1950s when Hubbard was downgrading and, and deriding them. But Scientology doesn't change any of its materials or views, and so people who come into Scientology, and especially these kids who haven't had any real-world experience to judge any of this against, hear L. Ron Hubbard downgrading and, and talking and insulting psychiatry, etc., and they get the idea that he is speaking the truth and that all of these fields have no idea what they're talking about. Well, that, of course, is not true then, but it's triply not true now. So that's where I think the actual abuse of these children happens. As far as a 14 or a 15-year-old having to listen to an old man or an older man talk about his masturbation technique or something, I mean, yeah, inappropriate, you know, I, like I said, I don't endorse it, but I don't really put that under the, the, the banner of abuse. Um, I mean, children, children, I, I'm not even, you know, these young adults should understand how the world works. They should understand their bodies and other people's bodies. And the fact that people do stuff like this should not be a completely foreign concept to them by the time they're 15 years old. I mean, masturbation is not something you, you know, should be hiding in the closet to talk about. It should be something that kids and, and young adults know about. Um, that's, that's, my, that's my opinion. And I know that that is a controversial opinion for some people. And so, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to argue about it. I'm just stating my position about it. But I am also agreeing, and I want to make it clear that even if you and I don't agree on that, we do agree that it is abusive to make little auditors in Scientology because whether your reasons are, you know, as you stated in your question or otherwise, my reasons are because we are messing these kids up by teaching them L. Ron Hubbard's ideas and, th and letting them think that that's how things really are. They are way not how L. Ron Hubbard says they are. So that's my take on it. I hope that's clear. I hope we're, I hope we're still on the same page here. And um, again, thank you for the question. Amy James, I came across your channel on YouTube and I'm curious if a single ex-Scientologist out there is willing to discuss Project Stargate. I was shocked to read the entire Jim Mars book Psy Spies, and never once did he mention Putoff was a Scientologist. I found this out from a separate blog. Apparently, all of the Psy group is a bunch of Scientologists. Why is Tony Ortega pretending like Scientology doesn't have tech or the ability to infiltrate or control any government intelligence operations? Is Tony Ortega the same guy from the back page human trafficking scandal? I don't buy the whole cult front at all. Okay, Amy, let me just say this really bluntly and clearly. Um, please don't re believe everything you read on the internet um, because you're reading things that are just fantasy. Uh, first off, I mean, Jim Mars, um, definitely very, very debunked. Um, you know, pro-Scientology guy, worked for the Office of Special Affairs, or at least wrote articles for Freedom Magazine, let me put it that way. Um, and was very much in line with the Church of Scientology, which should tell you a lot about the man. 
Um, and if it doesn't, and if you think that some random blog on the internet has all the, the skinny on this, no, they don't. Uh, when I first got out of Scientology, and or when I first got out of the Sea Org, and I was still a, still felt like I was a Scientologist, and I went down that internet rabbit hole and found out all the facts about all this, I've mentioned from time to time that I ran into websites and information that was not true. There was conspiratorial information out there, especially like the Psy Group stuff or the CIA having secretly taken over Scientology in the 70s and uh, replaced or got rid of L. Ron Hubbard, uh, installed David Miscavige as the nominal head of Scientology, but really it's all the lawyers who did the restructuring in the 1980s who run the church now, and they really, you know, took the whole thing over, and David Miscavige is just this sort of figurehead. I mean, I've read all this crap, right? None of this stuff is based on anything called, like, facts or evidence. It's pure conspiratorial theory conjecture. And I am willing to take that on. Uh, you know, as I mean, I'm willing to say that that is just absolutely how it is. Uh, David Miscavige is not a CIA plant. Uh, the government did not take over Scientology in the 1970s because they learned that Scientology has aligned truth about remote viewing or telepathy or telekinesis or any of that, any other ESP nonsense. None of that is true at all. There are no special abilities that Scientologists have that other human beings don't have. L. Ron Hubbard died broke, not broke, sorry, but alone, and hiding from the law, a complete and utter failure at his life and everything he tried to accomplish with his life. That's the truth. So that's why your question to me and, and why no, you know, why is no one taking up project, uh, what was this, Stargate? Is because it's nonsense. It, it, it didn't, it, it, that didn't happen. None of that's true. You know, you see what I'm saying? It, it, none of it is real. So, you know, there are people who come out of Scientology and use what they learned in Scientology as part of their conspiracy mindset to, that they got in Scientology from L. Ron Hubbard, probably, as I've talked about at length. And they keep the conspiracy theories going and they incorporate, you know, all this other nonsense into it. And Tony Ortega isn't pretending anything. Tony Ortega presents facts and evidence and information from people based on their testimonials. That's the, that's reporting, that's journalism, that's what Tony Ortega does um, with the vast majority of his reporting on Scientology. Uh, so, you know, your ad hominem attack on him is just really kind of lame. Uh, Tony Ortega has personally re broken more stories about Scientology than any other single person I know and has put has dedicated more of his time and effort to getting the truth out there about Scientology than almost anyone you will meet anywhere. So I'm not really going to pay any more attention to your uh, ad hominem attack on him than that. So uh, that's my answer to your question. I'm sure it won't satisfy, but that is my answer. Johnny V. Val. If the state authorities, FBI, or IRS raided various Scientology organizations and got their computers and files, such as FLAG, International Base, OSA, CCHR, WISE, IAS, CST, Narconon, etc., wouldn't the authorities be obligated to read people's PC folders and have to investigate the public doctor's offices and Narconon facilities for their crimes and confessions? 
I understand that when a public or new person comes into Scientology, they receive a PC file or a pre-clear file. After somebody becomes a clear or learns the clear cognition, do they have a clear file? Or do they continue documenting the person's activities in that same PC file? Once somebody becomes clear, not a past life clear, do other Scientologists look upon them more highly? Do clears receive any special privileges or recognition over non-clears? Sorry if my Scientologies is off, I'm just learning and a little confused on the subject. Thanks for the question, Johnny. You've asked about a lot of stuff here, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my best to kind of consolidate all this. Because um, I've never really broken this down, I've been waiting for a question about this to do so. When people come into Scientology and start getting Scientology auditing, they are called pre-clears because they are not yet clear. They've not yet reached the state of clear. Uh, that is sort of a halfway point between, you know, normal run-of-the-mill humanoid person and an OT. You go from, no from normal, degraded, horrible person to clear where you're okay, you're, you yourself personally are okay, and then you do those OT levels and you become this, you know, awesome spiritual entity. Um, the the pre-clear folder, or PC folder, as they are called, because pre-clears in Scientology are referred to as PCs. Very rarely do we even use the word pre-clear. It's PC. You know, uh, hey, where's this PC? Call the PC in. Where's the next PC, right? So um, you end up having many, many files, stacks of files, because when you go into an auditing session, the auditor is keeping notes of everything that's going on in the session. They have legal-sized paper, they, they put a line down the middle, and they just keep notes of what the person is saying, what the commands are or questions that were asked of him. If there's an e-meter, the, the, um, some of the dials and numbers and stuff off the e-meter and what the needle is doing is also written down on these worksheets. And various um, notes are made of time, and uh, so there's a, it's a running record of every single session. Some of these sessions can go for two, three, four, five, six hours. That could end up with a session this thick, right, full of paper. You could use like a third of a ream just writing, writing, writing. Some auditors write just a couple words on a page. Others are kind of microscopic. It depends on the auditor as to how thick the auditing session is going to be. I personally have done two-hour sessions with two pieces of paper. I've also seen two-hour sessions with, you know, half a ream of paper. So um, the point is that the auditing, they're all put into the pre-clear folder after the session. That folder is then sent to the case supervisor. He looks the whole thing over, gives the directions to the auditor as to what to do in the next session. The folder comes back. The guy does another session, another a stack of papers represent the worksheets for that session and other notes that are made. That goes in the PC folder and it's in date order going chronologically, you know, from backward, you know, from early, latest to earliest, right? From oldest to newest. So you open up the folder. There's some stuff on the front folder of, uh, on the inside front folder, there's some notes and program uh, references and things as to you know where the preclear is at on the grade chart uh, on his on his path up to clear. Uh, they literally put a little picture of the grade chart in the folder and they mark it with a highlighter when he finishes different steps. There's other things in the front PC folder too, a whole stack of stuff. Folders can get really thick. 
after this folder gets, gets, after folder number one gets to be about two or three inches thick, another folder is made and it's put, your name gets put on it in folder number two your, and, and the uh, front cover stuff and the back stuff goes in the folder but all those worksheets stay in the number one folder and it gets filed into a closet uh, which is the pre-clear folder archives area. Every single organization has one. It's a locked space and the folders are kept secure. The folders are also stamped and have been since the 1980s with a stamp that says priest penitent privileged file confidential. So nominally but with that stamp on the folder if the FBI or anybody else police anybody were to come in and raid an organization they're supposed to pay attention uh, to that stamp and this is supposed to be confidential information between a priest and his and his pastoral, you know, in, in the pastoral counseling that the priest is giving to the preclear. So they're not supposed to have access, free and easy access to those folders. I'm talking about outside law enforcement, for example, right? Inside, in the church, all kinds of people look at those folders all the time, but, um, but they're not necessarily supposed to, right? There's a whole bunch of rules and regulations about all that, and that, I'm not going to take that up in this, in this answer right now. Um, but that stamp is supposed to keep the outside people out of those folders. And every single one of the preclear folders are stamped that way. So, you know, you, you get number one all finished, and then you fill up another folder, and it goes, and then you fill up another folder. When I left Scientology, I had 54 to 60, I don't know, something like that, folders. I had tons. I mean, I, had a, I could stack, you know, against this back wall all of my folders. <laughs> so a lot, a lot, a lot of folders. There's tens of thousands of folders within the world of Scientology that they're keeping hold of. When a person gets to clear, from that point forward, all of their folders have a green stripe prominently on the front of the folder that indicates to you that this person is now clear or above, right? When they go on to the OT levels, the folders have, a, have different colored stripes depending on which OT level is being um, done. I don't remember the color flashes, but it, had, it was like gold and blue and gold and blue and red and red and gold. I mean, there were different stripes that were put on the folders to indicate the different levels. We didn't see too many of those, you know, in fact, you didn't see any of the OT stuff uh, at the local city level churches because the OT levels are only delivered by Sea Org organizations in Los Angeles, Clearwater, Florida, uh, you know, at St. Hill in England, Copenhagen in uh, Europe, and um, I think Sydney in Australia. There's only a couple places in the world where you can go to get the OT levels. So they keep their own files, right? When you are ready to go from, let's say, Denver, I, let's say I go clear here in Denver and I have 50 and I get 30 folders. By the time I go from zero to clear, I've accumulated 30 pre-clear folders. Um, those folders are all shipped to the next org I'm going to go to to do those OT levels because that's my next step. And the org's probably not going to have those folders anymore, or they'll or they'll keep most of them. Maybe they'll only send the last few off to the advanced org, but most of the time they have to send all of them. But folders get shipped around in Scientology all the time. Um, so when I go to the advanced organization now, my local Denver church doesn't have my folders anymore. 
they, they're in LA. I fly to LA, I do my OT levels. Now what happens, <laughs> and I hope this isn't overly complicated yet, <laughs> um, yet, <laughs> I, OT 1, 2, and 3 are solo audited. But I, that doesn't mean I get to look inside the, the folders that have been being kept on me all this time. Because there's all kinds of notes in there about me. Stuff I'm not supposed to see, right? Evaluations about me and my case and what, my, and what I need. Um, so I can't look at that stuff. So a new kind of folder is made for me as a pre-OT. Because I'm doing the OT levels, one, two, three, right, solo. Um, and the pre-OT levels are OTs 1 through 7. So when you're on OT 1 through 7, you're on the pre-OT levels. Now, because Scientology terminology is already complicated enough, most people just keep calling them PCs or pre-clears, even though they are already clear. It's just, it's just pre-clear becomes a sort of generic term for anybody who's getting any kind of auditing. Um, but technically, they are pre-OTs. <laughs> so, when you start solo auditing, you get a solo folder. And you're probably not going to have tons and tons of solo folders, but you're going to accumulate quite a few as you go through your OT levels. Because OT 1, 2, and 3 is solo. 4 is with an auditor. 5 is with an auditor. 6 is a course. And 7 uh, is takes years. So you're going to get tons and tons of folders uh, accumulating when you're doing OT7. Uh, and then when you get to OT8, that's also a solo level. So, um, so you're going to end up with a lot of solo folders. And the solo folders you can look in because the only thing in the solo folders is stuff you've seen. It's stuff you've written. When you go into a solo session with an e-meter and you, it's just you. So you're the one keeping the worksheets, like I described earlier, while you're auditing yourself. You're, you're literally writing down the time, what the meter is doing, how you feel, the questions that you're answering, and what your answers are. I mean, all, you're writing all this stuff down. And it goes into your solo folder, and the solo folder goes to the case supervisor, and it comes back. But instead of going to your auditor, it comes to you, because you're your auditor. And that's how the process goes as you go up the bridge as far as your PC folders go. So I hope all of that made sense um, and wasn't too complicated, but that's basically how it goes. Um, you asked whether clears have any special privileges. No, not, they don't. No, not really. Um, but they do have a higher status, okay? Everybody wants to be clear, and then everybody really, though, the real status in Scientology is the OT levels, not clear. Clear is like, okay, yeah, that's great. That's really cool. What's it like? Oh, that's cool. But OT is like, oh, oh, what's it like, man? What's OT3 like? Oh, what's OT4? Wow, really? Oh, I can't wait to do that. Like that's, the OT levels are the revered things. Clear is just, yeah, clear. Yeah, okay, that's cool. Okay, so I hope that comes across. Thanks for your question, and, um, and there you go. Patricia Diamond. I have heard from several former members that they compare their attitude while in as if they were like the Nazis. To a point, I can see this. The IAS gala, as well as the knowledge reporting system, come to mind. I was wondering your thoughts on this. I've used the, um, 
Nazi term to talk about Scientology and some of its practices and some of the systems that it's put in place, and the institutional evil of some aspects of the Sea Organization especially. But the truth of the matter is that it is a grossly inappropriate comparison, and one that I have made in the past in error. Um, the Nazis are a whole different level of evil than Scientology is. Scientology is one man's you know, fever dream about his own greatness and wanting to stamp his name into, you know, infinity uh, to live forever um, and convincing a bunch of people that he had a way to help them to help themselves and help other people. And it was all about making the world a better place and about improving one's condition in life so that, you know, you can be a bigger, powerful, more able person and get along better. That's what Scientology really, at the bottom line, that's really what it's all about. <laughs> the Nazi Party, the, the National Socialist Party of, of Germany pre-World War II, was about rebuilding a country. It was about, you know, getting ours. It was about um, restoring national pride. It was a very, you know, it was a very nationalist sort of activity. And, of course, it led to, because of its marriage with eugenics and Hitler's insanity, it led to the 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 physical torture, physical and psychological, of course, torture of millions of people, uh, the death of millions of people uh, through the most atrocious uh, means possible and turning hundreds of thousands more people into monsters in the process, the German people, millions of, of Germans, of course, too. Um, this was an atrocity beyond almost anything you can find in the history of planet Earth. So it's orders of magnitude more worse than Scientology by a long shot. It is inappropriate when we make comparisons to Nazis or the, or, or the Holocaust or what happened with Nazis. It's in, and it's grossly inappropriate when the Church of Scientology attempts to compare itself to persecuted Jews from World War II because they face criticism such as my, my own criticism, Leah's, Mike's, Tony's, etc. Um, it's disgusting that Scientology attempts to use that as cover or bait for people to make, you know, draw these comparatives between um, what happened in, you know, Nazi Germany and what's happening now on on social media. It's just pretty disgusting that, that Scientology goes there. So um, so that's kind of my, my statement now about the whole Nazi thing. You asked for my thoughts about it. I think that there are systems in place within the world of Scientology, like the Knowledge Report system that you mentioned, like the RPF, um, which was an extremely traumatizing uh, thing for me and for everybody who, who almost everybody who did it. Um, the, um, the Nuremberg rallies, as Mike Rinder likes to call them, the IAS events, the, 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 the annual Church of Scientology events where they pump everybody up and show them all this false information and, excuse me, and, uh, and tell them, you know, why they need to give more money. You know, in the end, in the end, Scientology is just a money-making scam. Uh, it is not about, you know, the destruction of millions of people uh, through the most vicious and violent means possible. And that's what the Nazis were about. 
So that's why I think we are, we're, you know, social media has watered down uh, the seriousness of, of certain historical events, not just World War II, but many others, um, because people like to um, do that. Uh, they like to engage in hyperbole and making arguments, and they've done it so often, so wrongly, so many times with the Nazis, that it really has lost the power and effectiveness that it should have. And that's kind of where I'm coming from on all of that. So I, there you go. Charles Sexton. How many people in Scientology were or are children when they began their indoctrination and captivity? Also, is this a growing percentage of Scientology members, especially uh, staff of Sea Org slave labor camps? Thanks for the question, Charles. I, I have to always laugh when people are asking me these super specific questions about percentages and, and demographics information about Scientology as though I have any idea at all. Uh, I mean, sure, I have some ideas, but I'm not, but, but questions like this, I'm, 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 I'm totally spitballing here, okay? This is just from my experience, and my experience with Scientology was focused on mostly the United States and mostly on the Western United States. So I don't know about Scientology worldwide right now, but here's what I can, here's my, here's my conjecture, okay? And all that being said, um, you should still believe everything I say. <laughs> okay, so um, I think at this point, my, 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 my thinking at this point is that um, I think a great uh, majority of people who are still in or are becoming Scientologists these days are multi-generational Scientologists because I don't think they have a whole lot to draw on, uh, except as per my podcast, which we did, uh, which I posted yesterday, um, they are importing a lot of uh, people now from other countries who are first-gen Scientologists. They're, they're, you know, they, they got in themselves. So it's hard for me to say because I don't have that, that demographic data. So I know that the LA scene is, is tons of second-gen third gen Scientologists. I know, so I know in the Western United States, that's, that's through, from org to area, from area to area, most of these orgs are propped up by two or three Scientology families. That's about it. I mean, that's what's keeping uh, Minnesota, the Minneapolis going. That's what's keeping uh, Seattle going, I believe. Uh, Portland, for sure, that's what's going on there. Uh, Salt Lake City, Definitely, when I was in, they were being propped up by like one or two families. So, uh, so that's kind of how these, these local organizations tend to go. The Sea Org is almost exclusively at this point second-gen Scientologists. I mean, there's, you know, even David Miscavige is a second-gen Scientologist, if you think about it. So, you know, I think that's where most of the Scientologists are, that exist now have come from. And that's my reasoning for that, and that's why you should believe everything I say. <laughs> Liam Martin. I'm curious to know how Scientology became so wealthy. I know it is very expensive to reach the OT levels, and they have a number of very wealthy benefactors, virtually free labor and tax-exempt status. However, there are very few people who would have both the money and inclination to spend hundreds of thousands to reach the highest OT levels. As you have said, very few Scientologists know the content of the OT levels. My point is the organization must be able to draw on an income stream from the average run-of-the-mill person. So what do you think its broad-based income stream is? 
Okay, I think the majority of income made by Scientology services and materials are sold through Clearwater at the Flag Service Organization. That is by far the big cash cow for Scientology, period, end of story, always been that way. Um, they're now at the level, according to my interview with Katrina, um, you know, the, at the uh, five to ten million a week. When you look at accommodations, services, materials, every piece of, every place on the, on the flag base that can uh, make money and you put it all together, that's what you come out with apparently. And that's, that's quite a bit of money on, to come in on a weekly basis. All the other service organizations tend to run even or barely at any kind of a profit. And the other Sea Org installations are basically just kind of keeping themselves going, but again, not tremendous amounts of profit, which is from service sales, I should say. I'm sorry, from all those, all those things I was just talking about, service sales, which is why the International Association of Scientologists fundraising activities and why the Ideal Org fundraising activities, because I'm positive they're taking money off the top on that, um, you know, skimming money from, you know, when, when it goes up the line. Those fundraising activities become super, super important for Scientology's income stream and have been for decades now. The IAS was first formed in 1984 and right out of the gate it was made to be the most important thing you could possibly contribute to other than your Scientology services. Well then, Things changed at some point along the line, probably in the 2000s, where the IAS became the most important thing and doing services, not as important. Nobody would say it like that, but the vast bulk of attention and drive and demand for money was on the IAS, not on selling books and services. So that's why I say that. I was, you know, feeling the heat for years, and that was the heat that we were feeling was IAS. That money has no, you, you know, you get that money and you don't have to return, there, there's, no, there's no return expected. You don't have to do anything, prove anything, show anything, you just take the money and run. That's the beauty of the IAS and the sales jobs that they do. And there are a lot of wealthy benefactors. They are not, you know, there's not thousands of them, but there are enough of them that it's built up Scientology's little fortune. And Scientology has been accumulating its couple billion dollars for decades. So it's been a steady progress as it's been building it up, at least as I understand it. I mean, I don't know what the graph would look like, but that's how I understand things have gone. So all the things that you mentioned in your question there actually do matter. The tax-exempt status has saved them millions and millions and millions of dollars. The, um, the uh, free labor? Oh man, are you kidding me? If Scientology had to start actually uh, paying its workers a minimum wage, man, you know, I mean, that would, that would, that'd be bad. That'd be bad. Right? And um, anyway, these are the things that, uh, that make Scientology's money come in. And I don't see the books and I don't know anything more than that really, it's sort of the general picture of it. I, I, I don't know. I hope that helps answer your question on that uh, because that's all I can really say about it. Okay everybody, that was our show for this week. We are not doing flash answers because I kind of ran out of them. 
So you can leave me a bunch more. Uh, I won't be putting them into my shows. The next couple weeks are going to be no flash answers. But I'm sure when I get back online and get through all of the comments you guys are leaving me this week and for the next three weeks, uh, in detail. I'm, I'm sort of generally kind of looking a little bit when I post to just make sure I didn't mess up too bad in my last video, but I'm not going through all the comments right now like I usually do. So, uh, but don't let that stop you from leaving them. Uh, just know that I won't be seeing, won't necessarily be seeing them all for a couple weeks. Thanks for coming around and watching, and I uh, will see you guys next week. Bye-bye.